was able to be here, and I hope you feel the same way. Amen? Amen. If you brought your Bibles, turn to the Old Testament. Today we're going to look at the book of Amos. Amos. Amos chapter 8, there in the Old Testament. It's a minor prophet. Doesn't, it's not saying, when I say minor prophet, it doesn't have much to say, but it's a, it's a brief uh, a brief book in the Old Testament. So you can start exact at the Malachi and go to your left, and you'll come across uh, Jonah, and then you'll hit Amos. And so it's right there toward the end of the Old Testament. This morning I want to share a sermon that I've simply entitled, No Time Until Sometime. No Time Until Sometime. And maybe I can make better sense out of that uh, out of that title a little later. But uh, Amos chapter 8 verses 1 through 14 is the entire chapter. And because of the length of the chapter, if you would just remain seated and follow along in your Bible or on the screen as I read in Amos chapter 8 verse 1 through 14. Ready? Here we go. Thus the Lord showed me, behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what do you see? And so I said, a basket of fruit. Then the Lord said to me, The end has come upon my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. And the songs of the temple shall be wailing in that day, says the Lord God. Many dead bodies everywhere, and they shall be thrown out in silence. Verse 4. Hear this, you who swallow up the needy and make the poor of the land fall or fail saying, When will the new moon be passed, that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath, that we may trade wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel large, falsifying the scales by deceit, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, even sell the bad wheat. And the Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, Surely I will never forget any of their works, Shall the land not tremble for this, and every one mourn who dwells in it? And all of it shall swell like the river, heaven uh, heave and subside like the river of Egypt. And it shall come to pass, and that day says the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon. I'll darken the earth in the broad daylight. I will turn your feast into mourning and all your songs into lamentations. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like mourning for an only son, and it ends like a bitter day. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send famine on the land, not a famine of bread, not nor thirst for water, nor of hearing the words of the but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run and run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but it and but shall not find it. Verse thirteen. In that day, the fair virgins and strong men shall faint from thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, "As your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Bathsheba lives." They shall fall and never rise again. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity to, to have worshipped you in song, spiritual songs, hymns, and praise. And, 
And now, Father, uh, to come to your word, and as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to my heart. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. May they be your words. And, Father, open our hearts, open our minds, allow your Holy Spirit to be our teacher, our guide this morning. And, Father, let us not leave here without making a renewed commitment to you today. Father, in different areas of our life. Father, we're on, we're on the, the beginning of a new year, 2023. Help us to examine our lives, to see where we are and where we should be. And during an invitation time, may we be willing to be obedient to your Holy Spirit as you move us from one place to another, from the, from the past where we've been, where we failed in our commitment, to a new day where we renew our commitment to you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I, most, I know most of you, all of us, really, are very busy. We're busy people, very busy people. You start at sunup, you go to sundown, and you feel like you just don't, know, you don't have enough hours in the day. I know how you feel. I feel that way sometimes. But the warning is this. Here's the warning. Don't get so caught up in doing the trivial things in life that you forget God. Let me say that again. Although we're busy going here and there, don't get so caught up in those trivial things of life, and they are trivial, compared to forgetting God. Don't get so caught up in those trivial things of life that we forget God. Because this is what happened to Israel. Israel forgot their God. You say, well, how could that happen? Well, it happens all the time. It's happening today. Perhaps with some of you, you've just forgotten God and the things of God. They're not as important as they once were to you. And because of Israel's attitude toward their commitment to God, forgetting God, God pronounced judgment upon his people. So if you would, look there at chapter uh, 8, verse 1. Thus the Lord showed me, behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what do you see? And he said, a basket of summer fruit. So have you ever gone out in your garden, you that have gardens or... Maybe going to the grocery store. It can happen at a grocery store. It happened. It's happened to me before. You go out into your garden to gather your vegetables. You gather. You want to gather your tomatoes. You want to gather your cucumbers and your squash and get some fruit. Get some watermelon and get some cantaloupe. And when you get there, all of a sudden you find that your favorite vegetable or your fruit is overripe and it's good for nothing and you just have to throw it away. You ever done that? Sure. And we just hate to throw that away. Man, you love tomato sandwiches, and you go out there, and they're just overripe. They're not worth anything. You just have to, you just have to throw them away. Well, Amos sees a basket of summer fruit, and when he looks at this fruit, it's overripened, meaning that it's good for nothing. It's good for nothing. It can't be used for anything. God says, this is my people. They're like a basket of summer fruit. They're overripened. They're good for nothing. I can't use them. Now, the people were expecting great things from God. They were expecting to plant their crops and have early rains, and they were expecting a, a great harvest. They were expecting a good year. Are you expecting a good year this year? I'm expecting a good year this year. But I found out, and I found out that as I'm expecting a good year, in order to have a good year, I have to put Christ first in my life. If I don't, and if you don't, you're going to have a lousy year. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. You're going to have a lousy year. But they find themselves, as the people of God, ripe for judgment. 
You see, judgment fell on the people of God. Why? Well, let me give you a little outline. Jot it down. Number one, they had no time to hear God. They had no time to hear. They had no time to listen to God. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, hear this. He's warning them, you need to listen to me. They had paid previously. They paid no attention to what God was saying. You know, a lot of folk are like that today. A lot of people are here today not paying any attention to what God's Word is saying. They're thinking about getting out, how long is the preacher going to preach, what we're going to have for lunch, wonder what I'm going to do this afternoon. Not, no, I know I'm not coming back tonight. I'll go. They're not listening to God. There's some here this morning that are not hearing a word that I'm saying. You tuned me out a long time ago. But you didn't tune me out, you tuned God out. And this is what His people did back then. So a lot of folk come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. They don't listen. They look around. They go to the restroom. They check their phone, play on their phone. And, and that's not, listen, let me say this. That's not only disrespectful to the preacher sharing God's word, but that's disrespectful to God's word, and it's disrespectful to God, and he won't have it. I'm telling you, you better listen when God's speaking to you. So when you come to church, you need to listen. So the point is, they have no time to listen to the Word of God, and all the time they're reaping judgment upon themselves. The times that they're not paying attention, God's looking down, God's taking note, and all the time they're not listening to God. They're building up judgment. We're going to talk about a river of flood of judgment, a flood of judgment that sweeps over God's people. And one reason it swept over His people is because they wouldn't listen to Him. And so they're a basket of summer fruit. Judgment's going to fall. Why? Because they had no time to hear. Proverbs 8 verse 34 says, Blessed is the man that heareth me. If you want to be blessed by God, today listen for God to speak to you. When you have your daily devotion time, listen for God to speak to you. Blessed is the man that hears God, that listens to me. And then Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Walk prudently when you go to the house of God. And then he says this, And draw near to hear, rather than to give the sacrifices of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. The most important thing you can do when you come to church, with all the things we do in worship, the most important thing you can do is hear the word of God. Hear God speak to you. That's the most important thing you can do. But they wouldn't listen. Now listen, a poor listener, a poor listener seldom hears a good sermon. They just don't listen. So perhaps you can improve my preaching if you'll just listen to what God is saying. You know, uh, someone has said this, that God still speaks to those who will listen to him. And he does. And so... Uh, has he spoken to you this week? Has God spoken to you in some way during your prayer time, during your devotion time? You say, well, I don't have one. You need to start one if you don't have a prayer time, a devotion time. Why is that? Because God wants to hear from you, and God wants to speak to you. And so has he spoken to you? You say, well, no, he hasn't. Well, he still speaks to those who are willing to listen to him. And so, first of all, Israel had no time to listen, and God's judgment came on Israel because they had no time to hear God. Jot this down. Number two, Israel had no time to listen, but number two, they had no time for God. 
Do you see that in verse 5? Verse 5 saying, when will the new moon be passed? When's the new moon going to pass? That we may sell grain and the Sabbath, that we may trade wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel large, falsifying the scale by deceit. When is this, when's the new moon going to be passed? Now, the new moon, <clears throat> excuse me, was a religious holiday. They had to take off time from work to take part in a religious holiday. And, and during this religious holiday, all trade was suspended. Couldn't sell anything, couldn't buy anything. It was the blue law of that day. You know, we used to have blue law. You know what that means, younger, younger people? It means that everything's closed on Sunday. Walmart wouldn't be open on Sunday, and grocery stores wouldn't be open on Sunday. Why was that? Because it's Sunday. It's the Lord's day. And that, that law is still on the books, but we don't obey. We don't abide that by that law anymore. We don't pay any attention to that law anymore. Have you ever tried to go to Chick-fil-A on Sunday? Can you get in there? No. Why is that? Because the, the owner, the person that started Chick-fil-A said, hey, we're closing on the Lord's Day. And I believe God's blessed that business because of that. I, ran, I was in retail years ago in the store that I ran. We weren't open on Sunday. The larger stores uh, were open, but the store that I ran wasn't. It was a smaller store. And I found out something that was pretty true through those other stores. When we did inventory, the amount of money that you made on Sunday, the profit that you made on Sunday, you know what happened? You lost it in shoplifting or employee theft or some other way. The, it didn't figure to exact dollar, but it was pretty close that the money the store made on Sundays, 52 Sundays, they lost in other ways. God expects us to give him this day. This is the Lord's day. It's not my day. It's the Lord's day. And so they had this new moon. It's this religious holiday. And all the trade was suspended. And that was aggravating God's people. And they observed the holiday. But at the same time, they begrudged the time that they had to give to the holiday. My goodness, it's a waste of time. It's kind of like church. Time I turn around, there's something going on at the church. It's Sunday morning, it's Sunday night, it's Wednesday night, it's, it's brotherhood, it's WMU. There's something going on at the church. Why do you always go to church? I had a friend, and his, his lady friend told him years ago, y'all just go to the church too much. And that's the way these people felt. It was just a waste of time to them. The point is they wanted to get back to their selling, to their making money, to making their profit. It was a money thing to them. The, blue moon, the uh, religious holiday was the new moon. And Jesus said, Jesus reminded us in the New Testament, what did he say? You can't serve God in money. You can't serve God and mammon. You're going to serve one. You can't serve both. You'll love one, hate the other, hate one, love the other. They just don't go together. So when will the Sabbath be gone? I mean, it comes every seven days. Think people feel like that today? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival, brotherhood, WMU. I mean, it happened that every time they turned around, they were observing some religious holiday, having to go to church. My goodness. People feel the same way today. No time for Bible fellowship. Too early, won't sleep. The only day I have off, I've heard them all. 
Sunday night, well, Sunday evening, that's the only time I have with the family. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Church is just a, church is a place you go when you don't have something else better to do. Be honest. So every time I turn around, there's something going on at that church. No time for God. But time for business. Time for hunting, time for fishing, time for golfing, time for shopping, time for football, time for Little League. You just put it on, you fill in the blank. But when it comes to church, no time. No time for God. And you don't think God's going to deal with people that have no time for him? He did Israel, and we're no different. So what was the problem? Well... No time to hear, no time to listen, got to hurry. Number three, no time for compassion. Look at verse six. Verse six says that we may buy poor, that we may buy the poor for silver, the needy for a pair of sandals, and even sell bad wheat. You know, the word compassion there means to suffer with or to sorrow with, having an urge to help someone. And they would cheat, they would cheat a man so bad that this poor man would have to sell himself into slavery in order to pay his debts. I can't pay my debts. And Well, here, take me. And they'd take him, counsel his debts. And for a small debt, they would even say, well, I'll tell you what, how much money do you have? I, I, don't have, I don't have enough to pay the debt. I don't like that much, been saving, so how much do you have? Well, I don't know. i tell you what, I'll take your shoes. Give me your shoes. And they'd take shoes off and hand them to the person to pay their debt. And then they'd even take the bad wheat and they would sell the bad wheat. They'd sell the bad wheat to the poor. I was reading this week and I found this and how often we, we fail to be compassionate to people that we pass by. Listen to this. Christopher Searcy was playing basketball with his friends May the 16th, 1998. It's been some time back. He was playing basketball with his friends when he was shot in the chest and the bullet perforated his aorta. His friends helped to get him within 40 feet of the entrance of Ravenswood Hospital. And then, he, and then they went inside to get help. And the hospital staff refused to help Christopher, saying that it was against hospital policy to administer aid to those outside the hospital. So eventually the policeman was able to get a wheelchair, wheeled Christopher into the hospital where he was helped by the hospital staff, but it was too late. However, Christopher died about an hour later. Isn't that strange? We think, my goodness, how terrible is that? And we can say how terrible is that, while at the same time churches, perhaps even our own, God forbid, even our own, we're surrounded with people that desperately need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we're only content to share that good news with those that come inside. There's no compassion. No compassion. Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13, verse 1 and, and 2 says this, Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so some have unwittingly entertained angels. Be careful who you minister to. It just may be an angel. God may send someone to you and say, I'm just going to see if, I'm going to see if Samuel helped this person. And he puts that person in my way. And I feel drawn to that person. 
I mean, I really feel they're not trying to, to you know, they're not trying to, to be a, you know, be a bribe or what have you. It's, it's for real, and I get that for real feeling, but I, but I walk away. That's what he's saying. Be careful. You may be entertaining strange, uh, angels, strangers who are angels, and you may be unaware. No time to listen. No time for God. No time for compassion real quick, but sometime. Here's the flip side. No time until sometime. No time, but sometime to remember. We don't have time to hear God. We don't have time to listen to Him. We don't have time for Him. You know, we don't have compassion, but we'll have a time to remember. So God makes a vow in verse 7. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I'll never forget any of their works. I'll never forget any of their works. Sometime to remember. You see, nothing is unobservable by God. God sees everything. He sees us here this morning. He sees us in your quiet places, in your quiet time. So nothing is forgotten from God. You know, growing up, I always wanted my dad, you know, he'd say, well, I'm going to whip you when I get home. And I'm thinking, well, if I talk enough and show him enough, maybe he'll forget. Maybe he will. And he did. He did. He, he'd forget. I didn't remind him. I didn't say, hey, you forgot to whip me. I didn't do that. But he'd forget, and I'd get by with it. But let me tell you something. God's not going to forget it. He's not going to forget it. You can't, you can't sweet talk God and, and you, can't, uh, you can't fake God. I mean, God knows everything. Everything is, un- nothing is unobservable from God. Just mark this down. All acts of a child of God will be remembered. God's going to remember what we do. A time to remember. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says it this way. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether it's good or bad. You know, some people have a misconception about the judgment seat of God. They think when at the judgment seat of God, that's for the Christian, that's for the believer. It's not to, to, to distinguish if a person's saved, if a person's lost. Uh, we believe in the eternal security of the believer. When a person's saved, we know they're going to go to heaven. But we'll stand before the judgment seat of God for God to reward how we worked and how we served him. But some people have this misconception about the judgment seat. Some see that it's going to be a period that God ascertains from us what we've done, but it's not to ascertain, but it's to manifest what we've done. God knows what we've done. We don't have to tell. He knows that. And so at that judgment seat, he's going to manifest what we've done, good and bad. So the point is, Israel could not count on God forgetting what they had done, and you can't either. I can't either, unless we repent, ask God to forgive us. Then he forgives us, and he forgets it. He, he, he separates it as far as the east is from the west, our sins. But until then, he won't forget it. Some time to remember. No time to listen. No time for God. No time for compassion. The flip side, some time to remember. And number five, got two more. Some time to regret. And this is verses 8 through 10. They regretted. 
By, by honor, he tells us, let me go back to it, in verse 8. Notice that in verse 8. Shall the land not tremble for this? Everyone mourn who dwells in it. All of it shall swell like the river. Heave and subside like the river of Egypt. I mean, it's a time to regret. Shall not the land tremble? God's judgment's going to cause the earth to tremble like an earthquake. We judges his people. Everyone's going to mourn. You know, they're going to regret. You're going to regret one day for not serving God. You need to serve God while you have time. You need to serve God, first of all, while you have the health. I remember Miss Carolyn Vincent. She's in the hospital with pneumonia. And she'd rather be here right now, I know, than in that hospital, worshiping the Lord. She'd rather be around this church than around that hospital, serving some way. And, and that's the way God's people are supposed to be. It's the way you're supposed to be and I'm supposed to be. Serving God. But she, God's judgment's gonna, is going to cause the earth to tremble. Everyone's going to mourn. Everyone's going to regret. Oh, I wish I'd served God. I wish I'd. I, I visit people who are dying, and they'll tell me. They'll say, Brother Sammy, I wish I'd served God more. I wish I'd came to church more. I wish I'd got saved earlier. It's all of these things they wish. Listen, you can put a stop to all that. You can begin today by being committed and serving God in some way. God has a purpose for your life, or you wouldn't be on earth today. And one purpose is to receive Him into your life, to be your Lord and Savior, and then to serve Him by serving your fellow man. And so they're going to regret that. God's judgment's going to be like a flood. It's going to swell like a flood. The Nile River would come out of its banks and it begin to heave and heave and go faster and faster. That's the way God's judgment's going to go. It's not just a little bit here. It's going to just swell. Think of Wilson Dam. And you have a reservoir on the other side of the dam. And that dam's holding back all of that reservoir. You know, all of that water. Wilson Lake is behind that dam. But one day, God's going to remove the dam of his judgment, and it's going to sweep across his people, Israel. And it did, for not having time for him, having an opportunity, they had opportunities to serve, but they wouldn't. And that flood of judgment one day is going to come out of its bank, and it's going to cover the land. Been watching the floods in the, uh, in the west, around California? Terrible, terrible. That's why God's judgment, that's a picture of God's judgment. And so you think, you know, you think the flooding was bad when you watch TV on the East Coast, uh, West Coast this past week. Uh, there's no place to go, no place to go, no place for safety. There's no place, there's no place to go. Same way, when God judges, there's no place to go, there's no place to hide. The point is, all the wicked deeds of the people themselves will be covered by God's judgment. So they'll have some time to regret. No time to, no time to listen. No time for God. No time for compassion. Some time to remember. Some time to regret. And this is the last. Some time to die. Some time to die. Did you look at verse eleven through fourteen? He closes with verse fourteen. And those who those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, "As your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Bathsheba lives." They shall fall and never rise again. Sometime to die. Well, we, pay, we don't pay too much attention to that statement because we're alive right now. Right now. 
I remember a game, and I've used this illustration before, but it's a good illustration about this. We used to play Monopoly. That was the thing we played every Friday and Saturday night. And my neighbors around across the road from me, they'd come over to our house, I would go over there. So we'd play Monopoly. And we'd play for we'd play for time and time. And we'd play to midnight. And all of a sudden mom would come in and she'd say, Okay, it's over with. Game's over with. Time to put it all in a box. And regardless how many houses you had and the property you had and the railroad, if you own park place or boardwalk it was over with and everything went back into the box one time one day there's a day coming when God says this it's over with time put it in the box no more and he calls time on this game of life and it's over with I'm working on sermons about time and God's given you a purpose today and he's giving you just the amount of time you need to fulfill that purpose just the amount of time you need. Now, you can squander your time and you can die without fulfilling God's purpose, or you can acknowledge why, that God's created you. He's given you a purpose. Discover what His will is for your life. Get to work. Get that fulfilled. And when you fulfill it, then He'll call your home. The sad thing is, so many people die, and they never know what their purpose is in life, and they die a life without fulfilling God's purpose. That's sad, very sad. But you don't have to be that way. So don't get caught up in this world with the trivial things in life that you forget God. Because one day, God's going to say, the game's over. It's not based on your age. You see, God's not, when you stand before God, He's not going to say, well done, Sammy, you live to be 88. Well done, Sammy. You live to be 110, I wish. But he's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. He's not concerned how old you're going to be when you die, but what you've done here while you've lived. Let that sink in. And he's given you the right amount of time to get your purpose fulfilled. And you'll be here. I'm here today because my purpose is not fulfilled. You are too. But one day, we'll fulfill it. He'll call us home or he'll say, hey, come on home. All right, this is it. Life's over with. One day, God's going to say, game's over. No time to listen. No time for God. No time for the poor. Some time to remember. Some time to regret. Some time to die. <clears throat> A scale on one to ten. What's your commitment level? What's your commitment level? To God and the things of God. I'm not talking about commitment to your wife or your children, you to your parents. But what's your commitment level to God? And the things of God. What's something of God? The church, the body of Christ. What's your commitment to the church? What's your commitment to, to the poor? Compassion. How you, how you doing with compassion right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to just um, take the Scripture in Amos chapter 8. See how you spoke to your people then and how it relates to us today. Lord, help us to evaluate our commitment as we begin a new year, 2023. I don't know what's going to happen this year. I really don't. Only you know that. You're sovereign God. You know all things. This may be my last 
my last uh, time on my last uh, year on earth if I make it through the year. I don't know. But Lord, I hope and pray that I'll fulfill the purpose you've given me. And I, and I pray that our church fulfills the purpose that you've given us to reach a lost world to you and then to not only share the gospel with them, but disciple them where they can in turn share the gospel and others be brought into the kingdom. Help us to be the church, Lord, you've called us to be. I pray for every person here. May this be a day of recommitment, a renewal, their commitment to you. Father, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.